This is the To Health With That, Naturally Healthy in No Time podcast for big health topics taken in small bites. I'm your host, naturopathic doctor, Amy Nuzel, and this is season one, all about the MTHFR mutation. This week, let's talk about Amy's neurotransmitter theory. So for the past few weeks, we've mentioned the link between MTHFR and the production of different neurotransmitters via the BH4 pathway. This includes serotonin and melatonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine. And the research seems to mostly agree that people with mental health issues, like depression or anxiety, often have imbalanced neurotransmitters. Somehow, however, that's translated into a locked-in, fixed-idea pattern culturally, in which depression and anxiety are always neurotransmitter issues, and supplementing or augmenting neurotransmitters in some way is the best path forward medically. I do want to say that there are people who find a supplement or a drug that works for them, right? It boosts their neurotransmitters, they stay on the same dose for 15 years, and they feel great. There are those cases. These are like shining examples of neurotransmitter-based therapies working, and I love seeing them, because in the end, it's a simple solution. Unfortunately, there's also the other cases. People chasing down a feeling that they had briefly, they get on a drug or supplement, go through the adjustment reactions, It works for six months or a year, and then they're kind of back where they started, but taking a pill. So they increase the dose, Mm, it's not working so much, they increase again, switch to a related drug or supplement, and still aren't where they want to be. They can't match that time period when the pill was quote-unquote working. They switch to a different class or category of drugs or supplements, give that a try, each time with a six- to eight-week adjustment window and a host of new or different side effects. I see it all too frequently. There are several possible problems with the neurotransmitter-only model, and we'll start with the simplest and, and most obvious and agreed on, and work towards more controversial issues. One of the simplest problems I see is that depression, quote unquote, is a big word, and it seems to mean something a little bit different to everyone who says it. Likewise with anxiety. Over the years, I've had hundreds of clients tell me they're depressed. They are always surprised when I ask them what that means to them. And not surprisingly, the answers that they give me vary greatly. One man was hugely offended at having to educate me about such a basic question. His answer was, what do you mean, what do I mean? I'm depressed. I get up in the morning, the toaster doesn't work, so I slam it on the counter four or five times and then run out the door without eating because it's just too difficult. I'm depressed. Okay. Another client told me she got up in the morning, cried in the shower, cried in the car, smiled all day through her work as a high-level executive, cried all the way home, and then smiled through dinner with her family. Now, you may notice that the pictures these two people have painted are very different. And these are just two examples out of a seemingly endless variety. The point is, depression isn't something uniform. And sadly, When many people go to their doctor or practitioner and say, I'm depressed, there are really only a a handful of standard neurotransmitter-based treatments options for such a myriad of different pictures. Another issue I see with the idea of working with mental health from a purely neurotransmitter direction is that neurotransmitters have significant overlap. So say you look at something like attention. 
serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine, all four of those are all heavily involved in attention, much the same with enjoyment and even alertness. In situations like this, engaging in lifestyle changes to actually boost all of those neurotransmitters is a great idea and will help to cover the bases, but taking a drug or supplement that boosts one pathway has the potential to leave plenty of gaps in the system. It's obvious that when you look at it like this that boosting one pathway out of many might lead to problems or imbalances elsewhere that show up as side effects or, or intolerable changes. Another problem that I see is that it's just not a tug-of-war. So medicine has become very mechanistic since the advent of penicillin because so many drugs, which do one very precise thing in the body, have been life-saving. I am all for life-saving drugs. But this model comes at a cost. We've backed ourselves into a corner in which we tend to oversimplify the body into being like a constant tug-of-war between opposing forces or directions of imbalance. If we suspect serotonin is low, right, meaning the low side of that tug-of-war is winning, then we just boost up the other side so it gets higher. Easy. And it, it's logical. It makes sense. The problem is neurotransmitters and any really complex bodily function are less like a tug-of-war and more like a web, with forces pulling at 12 points instead of two. We can, of course, boost up one of those points, but it becomes difficult to predict how the other 12 will react and where that will place new stressors on the body. The last issue, and this is potentially just my belief, so take it with a grain of salt, but the last issue is that for many people, this turns into a chasing a dream because at the end of the day, your body is a lot smarter than you're giving it credit for, than anybody's giving it credit for. Think back to the scenario in the beginning when someone started neurotransmitter therapy, had a golden six months, nine months, maybe a year, and then chased that for the next five years of their life. What happened there? Well, it's my belief, and this is only my belief, that your body is actually very smart at adapting to the outside world. And if your body has set your neurotransmitters at a certain level, and you do something to change that level, I have every confidence that your body can reset so that you're at the same level again, even with that new influencer pill. The point is that in this scenario, when we're just mechanistically trying to change one level, we're not getting to the why question. Why did your body set your neurotransmitters to that level to begin with? And maybe it really is a dysfunction or pathology in which your body can't keep up with production or it's struggling in some way or there's a nutritional deficiency. And that's legitimately possible for MTHFR folks. If your methylation isn't balanced, then you legitimately might have a deficiency because your BH4 pathway is impaired. But what if the problem isn't production? What if there's a more complex reason for the neurotransmitters being set where they are? What if your body is actually, in that moment, helping you in some way that we just don't understand? What if it's like that to compensate for something else that's out of balance? I genuinely believe that your body is the most amazing thing you will ever see, touch, or possess. It is working constantly to return you to a state of health to compensate for damage, for lack of care, for the world at large, to adapt to this dynamic world full of challenges and resources that may or may not be there, of which you aren't actually consciously aware. I say, 
in that situation, give your body a little bit of credit. Maybe it's where it is for a reason. Now, at the end of the day, everybody says, okay, so it isn't all about neurotransmitters, then how do we fix it? The wonderful thing is, working with neurotransmitters is still an option, but if that's not the only model you're looking at, then there's a lot of other options as well. Before you look to neurotransmitters, it's important to look to other causes of mental health issues, and we did a whole post on that uh, a while ago. But some of the more common ones are low folate, especially especially for us MTHFR folks, or an imbalanced methylation pathway, high homocysteine, low thyroid, imbalanced hormones, low testosterone, estrogen dominance. But there's other things you can do as well. I mean, what about lifestyle changes, cognitive behavioral therapy, meditation maybe? I mean, nobody loves this, right? Because it's easier if there's just a pill for it. But sometimes the pill's really are the best thing, but it's a good idea to be open to other types of treatments as well, and to other options as well. Be willing to let go of the idea of the magic pill, especially if it just isn't serving you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye.